Welcome to the Resilient Training Lab Podcast. We're back with another episode of the Resilient Training Lab Podcast. Today, we're going to talk all about pregnancy. So we have resilience on Emily Lussman, who... Paul and I have been picking on for the last 15 minutes, so we're off to a little bit of a rough start here. But <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> good morning, and thank you for transitioning to Zoom and figuring out the whole headphone situation, and we're up and running. So what's going on? Nothing. Thank you for transitioning to Zoom. I'm the one who can figure it out. <laughs> so, yeah, Em's, uh, Em's life's up in the air right now. you got a lot going on. you got a crazy addition going on to your house you got a three-year-old almost three-year-old running around and you're at this point two-thirds through your second pregnancy right yeah yeah just started my third trimester there it is almost done. (laughs) (laughs) so for today's episode we are going to dive into m's training history both before pregnancy and after when she got started with working with RTL and Paul, and we'll head into what it was like training through her first full pregnancy, training up until this point in her second pregnancy, talk about some of the differences that we've seen between the two of them, and or what well, that we've seen, I guess us, yeah, it's a collaborative effort, right? Is it <laughs> You're carrying most of the work, but... <laughs> but you probably have a more realistic view of things than I do sometimes. <laughs> So I don't actually think that I know how you got started, what I believe was at FMA, possibly even before Paul was there. Is that is that how you got started? Yeah, so I had a friend who brought me to Tough Girl, and I had never really done group classes before. I had lifted, but like not in any sort of organized fashion, and never with someone who was going to tell me what I was doing was wrong. So that's when I started kind of messing around with weights a little bit more. And then I had a friend from Tough Girl who said, try FMA, let's try, you know, doing some barbell work. And I kind of never looked back once I did that. Was there something that you felt was missing that led you to pursue barbell work? Or were you just kind of like, whatever, I'm working out and it's all the same. I liked having like a goal and something that I was working towards. And it wasn't just like whatever class you jumped in on was what you were doing, but it was kind of more organized, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) in a way. Um, Progressive nature of it is (laughs) alluring to a lot of people. (laughs) And I've always... Yeah. And I've always been very, if I have a goal or something I'm working towards, it really motivates me. So, you know, having the goal of just finishing a class is not exactly motivation. (laughs) I'm just going to go by no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's something out of it or not. Paul, do you remember starting and walking in and seeing Emily standing there with Missy and (laughs) Uh Katie? (laughs) Oh, she had a different crew then. This was pre, pre Missy Uh Katie days. Mm -hmm. She had a Steph, and I'm going to butcher her name because I always say it wrong. Cassie. Casey. Cassie. 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 First one. I got it the first time. <laughs> I, I, always call I was her ready Cassie. for like such a complex name. <laughs> no, I, it's Cassie, but I always want to call her Casey. And then she's she would really make fun of me the most out of all three of them. So... <laughs> 
and I coached her forever too, so I have no excuse. Like she just stopped like a year ago. <laughs> but most of it was remote, so I didn't have to actually say her name out loud. I just typed it a lot. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> she had a different crew then, and they worked out together. And I actually came in after I hurt my back and my stomach was all messed up. I lost like 80 pounds. And I had the hiccups for like a week straight. <laughs> so it was like the worst possible time for me to start a new job. And I'm already like super shy. And the coach that was there, uh, Kiefer, shout out Kiefer, is like the opposite of shy. <laughs> and I had to like shadow him for a couple of days. And it was like his last week there. And I'm not going to compete with that energy. So I just kind of like shied in the back and hiccuped and everybody like my Instagram at that time was very inactive. So my only videos on there were like meat videos. So all these girls are like fucking stalk me on Instagram and see that 280 pound Paul (laughs) passing out after deadlifts (laughs) and just watch me going around hiccuping and not talking to anybody. So we didn't have exactly the greatest start. I had to kind of earn, <laughs> earn their trust a little bit. <laughs> no, I can't. Well, we, that. we also didn't like change very much. So we were a little resistant to like, who's this guy coming in? What's he going to do for us? Why is he hiccuping so much? <laughs> and then when he wasn't hiccuping, he was giggling. So <laughs> no idea what to think. Hey, the giggles are better than the hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds like an experience. So, um, as you started to think about getting pregnant, having your first child, before you actually became pregnant, did you expect your training to have to change in some way? I don't even think I was prepared enough to think about it. Like, I didn't, I mean, I guess I sort of knew that something would change, but not Like, I had no idea how much, and I had no idea what to expect. I hadn't really watched anyone train seriously throughout pregnancy. I'd seen people at Tough Girl get pregnant and kind of just keep doing things but slowing down a little bit. So maybe I had that, but not – I really had no clue what to expect. Well, I think you're a little little bit in denial, too. (laughs) (laughs) All members is very Calm out. What do you remember about this fall? <laughs> well, I yeah. thought everyone else had to change but me. Yeah, that's it. She was, she was just like, yeah, you know, this isn't, this isn't actually happening. I'm just going to keep living my life the way it is. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't pretty, pretty deep into it until you were like, oh, oh shit, this is, this is really, <laughs> this is really reality right now. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I was still trying to, like, hit PRs at four months pregnant. and Well, you did hit PRs. <laughs> right. But I, mean, I didn't really understand why you weren't letting me. I think that pregnancy is one of those events where everybody who has ever been pregnant wants to give their input and their experience with pregnancy um, and maybe their training. So is there anything that those around you were telling you when they knew that you were like, they saw you still going to the gym. They knew what you like to do. They knew you like to lift weights and you competed in powerlifting. So what were some of the messages that you got from those that surrounded you about what you needed to do or what they thought <laughs> you needed to do? 
they thought I shouldn't lift very heavy anymore and that I should walk more or, you know, maybe some prenatal yoga classes, but not doing what I was doing. And they're kind of like, okay, but you can go back to that later, you know, but you shouldn't do that now. All those crazy things like don't lift a certain amount of weight over your head or don't carry more than 70 pounds or something. I don't remember all of them, but or the heart rate one, there's one about like, don't let your heart rate go over a certain number. There's a lot of different things people tell you that make no sense. So let's rewind just a little bit. So we started lifting, I don't know, what was that, like five years ago? Yeah. Six years About, ago. I guess right? you were probably there a little longer. So six years, say six years ago. And since then, pregnancy was what? About three years ago. Well, more, a little more than three years ago with the, with from the start start. So you had about three years of lifting experience under your belt. You had competed in what one? I hadn't competed hadn't yet. Competed yet. So we were doing powerlifting style training at that point in time, but you hadn't competed yet. Just right. So kind of, I guess you could picture training almost as like meat prep type training kind of when you started when you started your first pregnancy because if I remember correctly we were lifting really heavy at that time yeah and we were I mean so we would you tried to get me to do meets but I was don't like being the center of attention so <laughs> I didn't want to do it and so we would do our own like yeah, testing PR mock little mock meets at the gym every three right. months where no one really looked at you <laughs> and you were a staple at those. So like you had experience yeah. like doing maximal effort lifting probably has the slowest deadlift I've seen to date P- PR, PR attempt about like 25 <laughs> seconds long. <laughs> but anyway, just so, so we have your have a, a you've been lifting seriously for, you know, three years consistently, you know, Emily, some someone that like literally never misses a day. She's there no matter what is going on. So it's consistently lifting for three years and now you've gotten pregnant and you have all these people telling you <laughs> what, what to do. And unfortunately there's not, actually, I think when you first pregnant, there wasn't even any like guidelines or statements out about pregnancy and training. They've recently, the Canadians recently put one out, but I think that's happened in between your two pregnancies. So there's literally nothing like concrete out there to look at and everywhere you go someone's telling you something different so that and they all think they're right and you don't <laughs> have anything to like show them and say well look here's this study or here's this research showing you that it's safe which doesn't help i think my husband thought that if i squatted too heavy the baby would just fall out <laughs> <laughs> well that's just a lack of anatomy knowledge right? <laughs> i said it was that easy yeah but then i think a lot of more people would be squatting in that third trimester <laughs> all the time i think it's interesting how you, these you mentioned being encouraged to walk which i certainly wouldn't disagree with i think almost everybody could benefit from taking more steps but things like not getting your heart rate up and not lifting like a certain amount of weight. It's like 
both of those activities are waiting for you. Like, you want to tell me that through labor, your heart rate wasn't over, you know, 120? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it seems like that would be a great way to prepare you for the stress of delivering. But Yeah, and also being strong. So, I mean, you have to keep your stamina up for hours, and pushing is not easy, and getting up and recovering quickly because now you have the baby to take care of isn't easy. So if you're not prepared to do hard things. Yeah. That's always the interesting thing is like, I wouldn't know because I've never been through labor. But <laughs> everyone I've talked to has described labor as the most like intense workout that they've ever done. And it is anywhere between, I know if you're lucky, it's somewhat sh- short, but even short is, is still what, like an hour. <laughs> if, if like in the best know, case scenario. <laughs> yeah. And then most people are much longer and people can be in labor for days, right? And once you get an epidural, you lose a lot of strength and because you can't feel anything. So if you get an epidural and you aren't strong, then you can't push. And then you end up getting an emergency C-section, which is like super common in the pregnancy world. And it's probably something that can be reduced by you know being in good physical shape going into labor so that you are prepared to have that battle right it's a battle (laughs) and even though like it's common it's a pretty major surgery and it's like a big deal that you want to try to avoid if you can yourself cut open have your organs rearranged and (laughs) baby pulled out and then everything put back together and sewn up yeah that sounds pretty yeah (laughs) non-elective and (laughs) well especially when there's another way (laughs) right so Um, and you're still going home in three days with a baby to take care of so you know you don't want that recovery on top of it right so i guess uh, let's back up just a little bit did you notice any changes in the way that you were training as your pregnancy went on because I can we talk about that power to me? Because you competed while pregnant, right? No, right after. Right, right after. Now. Okay, so but then. we did we did max out right at the end of what your first trimester. I think that yeah. was like my last. Like she wanted to lift heavy, and I was like, "All right, this is your last chance. <laughs> go, go, go well, for it." <laughs> <laughs> I had had that super slow deadlift that, like, was my. I just wanted to be able to do it faster and add a little bit more weight. <laughs> and I knew that it was like now or never, sort of how I felt. So, but we did that both times. Yeah, so let's break it down then. Let's start at the beginning, right? Your first trimester. It was kind of, no, you, nothing changed really. Yeah, from, for the first time. It's like 50-50 with people, whether things have to change. And usually when things are changing, it's due to just the person not feeling great. A lot of women deal with like nausea uh in that first trimester and their training has to be modified so they don't puke everywhere (laughs) (laughs) uh usually like a lot of getting up and getting down isn't favorable and a lot of like cardiovascular higher rep stuff isn't favorable so doing like more sets with less reps and more rest period so that they can kind of take their time and move slowly through things is sometimes pertinent but a lot of people feel perfectly normal during that first trimester and can continue to train as normal. And the thing is, I think I felt really tired my first trimester. And the only time I felt normal was when I was at the gym 
which was why when people were telling me to slow down or stop, it was really frustrating. It was the only time that I had that I felt like myself. There you go. So you have people kind of telling you all these different things. <laughs> you feel you know that you feel the best when you're at the gym. So kind of how did that leave you feeling and where were you at? Because I know you struggled a lot with just what you should be doing, that, especially the first time through. I mean, I just kind of didn't tell people what I was doing anymore. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> and with, I think the recommendation now kind of stems around, like if you've been doing it, you can keep doing it, but don't like introduce new things, which is why I always think it's interesting when people tell you to do all these new things when you're pregnant. It's like, I've never done a yoga day in my life, but now you want me to do prenatal yoga <laughs> when, you know, all these hormones are released in my body that make me way more bendy already <laughs> yeah. uh, so people I don't know especially with fitness I guess because it's just like so quote-unquote readily available to the public like to just give their opinion on fitness and then pregnancy is also a topic that everyone likes to give their opinion on so you just you just get both, <laughs> the brunt of both of it <laughs> Yeah, no, nothing about what you're going through is like a private thing anymore. It turns into everybody has an opinion, everyone has something to say, everyone is an expert when no one is. Meanwhile, you're trying to get ready to have a kid. <laughs> and like just survive each day. And so like Paul said, you know, first trimester, it's kind of like 50-50 on whether or not things change depending on how much just nausea and general discomfort somebody's in and that is like we said so variable from a case-to-case basis um, but heading into the second trimester is probably when you started to notice more physical changes is that fair yeah and i mean so each pregnancy is, is so different the first one was i think i still felt pretty good in my second trimester like uncomfortable and big and that felt weird and my center of gravity obviously changed and having, you know, going from having core strength to having like just this kind of basketball on your stomach <laughs> and no core strength is, is a weird thing. But I wasn't, I didn't have any pain my first pregnancy. The second one I have had more like round ligament pain and had to modify things a little differently than I did the first time. We did a lot of like single leg hip thrusters the first time and I can't <laughs> do them this time. <laughs> Yeah, those worked out well because they weighted themselves over time. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> By the end, she was like, I can barely do these anymore. <laughs> They're too hard. <laughs> so second trimester, you know, things start to change. And like you said, it's different every pregnancy. Some people start to develop random pains. I think the, that round ligament pain in the hip and... There's like the Cuervo's tendonitis in the wrist that are very common with pregnancy. So there's a lot of hormonal changes that prepare the body to be able to birth a child and make the ligaments a little more lax than normal so that things can open up. And that sometimes can cause issues. And I think... They're common in all pregnancies. And a lot of times when people are training, they're like, oh crap, like, you know, my hip hurts. It's from training. 
when it's pretty normal in currents and if anything training could potentially make things better if you have a little more stability in your joints and you are careful with just like your exercise selection and the way you program to take those things into account. So I guess what I'm saying is during the second trimester, you have to communicate a lot with <laughs> your client and make adjustments on their program based on their feedback on a more regular basis than normal. And it's typically just, it's typically more centered around like range of motion and positions more so than effort. Correct. Yeah. So effort will still be high. For the most part, volume will stay the same. Sometimes volume has to drop a little bit if there's pain involved just due to the nature of pain. But you were still lifting pretty heavy. So you hit a deadlift PR. Let's stick with the – actually, both times you hit a deadlift PR right at the end of your first trimester. So we lifted heavy through then, hit a deadlift PR kind of towards the end of the first trimester. And then in the second trimester, how do you – let's go with the first time because your training looked a little different this time. How do you think your training was? Do you remember? It got a little more boring. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of like repetitive things that I did, like a lot of carries and a lot of pal-off holds and a lot of, like I was still able to lift with a bar, but like towards the end of it, I think we started doing more kettlebell deadlifts. Yeah. So through that second trimester, and the belly starts to grow and that's really the main thing that starts to limit you and starts to limit your exercise choice, right? Uh, very first thing you lose is anything downward facing where they are have to do like a chest, chest supported rows. It's like, that's not going to work. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like, that's the first thing that you lose. And then anything like a plank or like push up becomes really hard just because they don't really have the core control to control all the belly. And it just kind of feels uncomfortable and potentially could start to bulge, which may or may not lead to or increase your risk of getting like DR down the road, which we don't know, but I'd rather stay on the conservative side and just not do it because it's not that important. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of other stuff we can do. We can still do carries. We can still do side planks. We can still squat, bench, and deadlift and do variations of those. So like why even take the risk of doing any exercises that make them uncomfortable or make them feel like their kind of stomach is bulging. And then I don't really remember much about it's funny because the first pregnancy when you're in it, it feels like it's forever and this is just how it's always going to be. And this is terrible. And then now it's like, I don't really remember what training through my first pregnancy was like. Yeah. I, I know I complained a lot. Yeah, I was about to say in the moment you would have <laughs> thought it was the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> but in your defense, you also had some complications that made things more uncomfortable in your first pregnancy, right? Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So I had something called polyhydramnios, I think is how you pronounce it. And it's just extra amniotic fluid. So it made my stomach a lot bigger and it was a lot heavier. And I had a lot of swelling in my legs and it was just super uncomfortable. And everything I did was super uncomfortable. And then a lot of acid reflux as a result. Yeah, Maybe we were, that we wasn't had, the only reason I had that, but. We had like this like gym competition with like we made oh, teams God. and we had all these <laughs> events and stuff and like it was like this big competition. 
and Emily was like the best sled pusher in the world uh, would like just stack up plates and be able to just keep pushing too. probably because she just like turns her brain off and, and goes regardless of what, what, <laughs> what weights on there. So we're like, Oh, Emily's team's like a lock. And they had somebody else that was really good at sled pushes too. This like younger kid that came in the morning. So we're like, Oh, they're locking for the sled push competition. So like Emily's like the last leg and like, she gets like, in training she got like whatever like 20 freaking laps and she's like two laps in and she just stops and we're like uh-oh <laughs> what's wrong i couldn't breathe anymore and it turns out it was just like horrible acid reflux was like giving her an asthma attack almost <laughs> yeah so, i also was just still like in denial that i was gonna have to change anything so i would push through things that probably maybe i shouldn't have <laughs> yeah so that's how training gets modified. So something yeah. happens and they're like, eh, that didn't work out and you change it. So I still think the risk is pretty low at this point, as long as you're aware of their anatomy and not like, like I said, putting pressure on their stomach. And it still leaves you a lot of options for exercise, uh, anything that's like not downward facing that they're still comfortable with, uh, things that tend to become uncomfortable are things like Kazakh squats and lateral lunges and and regular lunges or anything that really requires a super wide stance. Potentially, some people, it's fine. Some people find it uncomfortable sooner than others. And then the other thing is, you know, people that are pulling conventional tend to have to alter their stance to make room, <laughs> um, either pulling like a modified sumo or moving to the trap bar. I think it also is helpful that you know me and you've known me for a while. So you could tell when I was starting to like struggle to do something, but maybe didn't want to say it. Yeah. I guess that's another good point. <laughs> a lot of times they're not going to say it, right. You have to like ask <laughs> and talk to them and be able to like, look at people. Like if someone is showing pain in their face while they are lifting weights, probably not a good exercise choice. <laughs> like if they're grimacing mid rep like and not like a effort grimace like a pain grimace then you know we probably should pick something else especially like they're warming up with the bar and like it's all over the place and they're like shifting away from a hit making faces like we talk and it's about like totally different than how they normally would yeah we talk about technique a lot and how it doesn't like matter in terms of like pain and stuff but it is indicative of if someone's in pain right if someone's in pain their technique is going to change and if you can pick up on that and be like hey is it you okay like that doesn't look right <laughs> and they just look at you and start crying <laughs> 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 all right <laughs> so as we get to the third trimester I think, again, case by case basis, we haven't said that enough, everybody's different, but how long you can continue to train up until you deliver is largely going to fluctuate. So how close to your, to Riley's birth did you continue to train? So I went to the gym the morning that my water broke and I lifted that morning and he came almost three weeks early. So yeah, I just, I went, I have pictures that, that Missy took of me benching that morning. And then I went home 
felt fine, little kind of sluggish maybe. And then later that evening, my water broke. So the day before he was born. <laughs> so when it comes to the third trimester, you know, if we just stay on top of the variables that Paul's already talked about where, you know, we're controlling for positions and range of motion that is tolerable and training to an effort level that, you know, feels sustainable given whatever other symptoms may or may not arise. Um, you had no problem continuing to train, obviously, you know, right up until that, that day. Paul, well, you I were- think a lot, a lot of those changes really happened in the second trimester. And like, I got really, you know, it's kind of this period of time where everything changes so quickly. And then the third trimester, you're just continuing to get bigger, but like a lot of those changes have already happened. So you're used to it at that point. Yeah, I think during the second trimester, people struggle the most with just like adjusting to their, like, I guess, new body as their like center of gravity starts to change. They can see like everything just a little off balance and not where it usually is. And that usually kind of starts to sort itself out uh, by the third trimester. And then at that point, I start to drop volume and intensity and almost like taper things off towards their due date as like almost a little deload for, for labor. <laughs> uh, but at that point, usually you've found kind of some staple exercises that they're comfortable with and things get pretty monotonous at that point because you're starting to get pretty limited in your exercise choice. Uh, most single leg stuff besides like step ups, like lower step ups become problemsome and then you're almost left left with just like squat bench and deadlift uh, bench a lot of times people are more comfortable with like an incline bench or like just even a slight incline because it starts to get really hard to get up and down off the bench uh, especially for shorter people they have to like turtle roll off the side <laughs> <laughs> so just like considerations like that more just in terms of like ease of use like being considerate of like what exercises you pair together like not pairing like a a strict press with like I don't know something they have to get on the ground with for like a side plank <laughs> and being a little more cognizant of like the flow of your workout and how it's going to be from their point of view as they go through it so that changes a little bit and then you know at that point there's no reason to push like we're not going to make any like positive adaptation i think at that point our goal is just to maintain and try not to go into labor deconditioned at all so um through training or training through your entire pregnancy uh, is there anything that you feel continuing to train helped you with that had you completely pulled the plug on the gym you may have had a hard time with or would have made things worse i think the entire pregnancy would have been harder if i hadn't been training I mean, I think dealing with the changes physically that I was going through would have been harder because I really didn't feel like myself in any area of my life except for when I was at the gym, even if things were changing. I think labor would have been, like labor was hard, but I think it would have been worse. Um, probably would have ended up with an emergency C-section because I was close to one anyway. And I think recovery would have been a lot worse if I was in, like, had no base that I was I could go back to I mean recovery and it's good for me to remember this now as I'm going into my third trimester and you guys hear me say some crazy things at the gym um <laughs> that like 
recovery was possible. And I came back pretty quickly because I was doing all this before. You know, you have to take six weeks off regardless. But, you know, six weeks opposed to nine months and six weeks or 10 months and six weeks is, is very different. So with the recovery process and you mentioning that you had to wait six weeks to come back, like you had said, you know, 10 months and six weeks is going to be far less of a mountain to climb when compared to only being out for six weeks. So were you itching to get back to the gym after, uh, after Riley was born <laughs> or were you so preoccupied that? No, I was ready. I think I went to my, so I called and made my appointment to be cleared to go to the gym and they pushed it out a week. So then I called back and I rescheduled it. So it would be exactly six weeks. And I went to that appointment dressed for the gym so that <laughs> right afterwards I could go. <laughs> yeah. So the recovery process is another, you know, again, individual case by case example. Emily was able to come back very quickly. I think a lot in part due to her like, consistency in the gym and her relatively good for a new like actually amazingly good for a new mother lifestyle habits uh outside of the gym i mean obviously anybody with a newborn knows that sleep is hard to come by but i think emily's managed to do a decent job uh a really good job <laughs> at that given her situation so she was able to check all the boxes that she could control and put in the work and get back really quickly. Whereas other people, again, it's not always in their control. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that can happen in that, in that time, especially dealing with a newborn and taking care of them. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. So sometimes this gets extended and that's okay. It's, it's a small small blimp in the radar of your training career. So I just wanted to preface this with like, this is probably optimal. Like Emily's situation was about as good as it gets. So, so I don't want to like get your hopes up. <laughs> like there can be variable. It's okay if it takes longer. It's nothing against you or about you that made you take mm -hmm. longer. It's just part, part of the game. <laughs> I also think, I mean, so Riley was born in November and it was winter. And so there weren't a lot of other things that I was trying to do. So like my time away from him was going to the gym. You know, it wasn't like summer when you also want to go outside and like have a cookout, with, you know, visit with people. Like there was really nothing else going on. So <laughs> that helped. New England in the winter in a nutshell. Just a bunch of sad, strong people. <laughs> That's the only thing to do in the winter is lift weights. <laughs> so when you first came back to the gym, what was that experience like? Were you, you know, did you jump back into as many days a week as you were doing during your pregnancy? Like how long were your sessions? I was able to make a schedule with people that were able to help me and come and watch him so I could go to the gym, which was really helpful. So I was able to do five days a week again, but they were a lot shorter. It was one of the more humbling experiences I've had where like things that I could do, you know, right before I gave birth, I couldn't do anymore. And my center of gravity was completely gone. So it was kind of like what your warm up is was like my whole 
training that day. <laughs> All right, so for, for one is, block, it was just yes, one block. Four weeks. Uh, this is a this is a conversation <laughs> that uh, I th- I have with people like immediately after I have like an email I send out with kind of some clear, <laughs> very clear expectations on what to expect. And just kind of reminding people that they just gave birth and that is a huge like thing. It's not something that just is like, Oh yeah, I gave birth. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of like trauma to the body. You can think of it pretty much like a, you know, pretty intensive surgery for some people end up being an intensive surgery, right? So there is going to be a recovery process. I usually try and give the expectations that like, hey, you were pregnant for nine months, like give yourself nine months to get back to where you were before you were pregnant. And I think that's a a good rule of thumb for most people. And then the last part of that is giving them something to do in that six weeks (laughs) because most people go stir crazy because you know they just gave birth they're stuck at home with a newborn that is taking all their attention and the only time they can get out is like like hey somebody like husband watch watch him while i go for a walk or watch him while i go do these exercises so at first that's what is allowed is you're allowed to walk Um, i'm pretty sure you probably get some guidelines on that when you have the baby. If not, no, no, no. Pretty much are allowed to walk until we're comfortable. So usually start off with just like walking around the block and building up from there. And, you know, by week six, maybe finding some like hills to walk up and that being the extent of your exercise. And then the other thing that they can do in that first six weeks is like just some like really, really low level breathing exercises tend to be useful because they have to learn how to like use their core again and their core has to learn how to be a core again because it was just stretched out for four months <laughs> and a lot of times ripped in half. Uh, so <laughs> that is a the, probably one of the biggest things that needs to happen post-pregnancy is they just need to get comfortable like bracing again and being able to feel their core their core is not not active because they are standing up and not falling over. They just are not as spatially aware of what is happening because their body was so different for so long. So it's more just getting used to your body again. I'm not saying like, oh, you're doing these breathing drills to activate your core. They're doing the breathing drills to just feel it again and be able to know what, like how to like squeeze them. <laughs> Like you've spent nine months with anything being in an elongated position, and then we're told you had to create stiffness there. It would take a little bit of practice. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, what did your first, well, I guess Paul said, you know, nine months out, nine months back, what did your first nine months returning to training look like? And like, you, you know, it can be yeah. any milestone along the way, but like, what do you remember from those nine months? I mean, I will say that, you know, nine months in, nine months out, but you start to feel better, or I did, start. I started to feel better pretty quickly. So, like, after that first block, I was able to start lifting with, you know, a barbell again, able to, and it, it was light, but it was, I was able to do it, and then, you know, the strength came back relatively easily. I mean, I think I was six months postpartum when I had another deadlift PR, 
and I had said that if there, if I PR'd, I would sign up for a meet because it was something that I've been avoiding for years. So then I signed up for a meet and I competed in September. He was born in November. So like 10 months out, I was competing. So, so it, it was quick. Yeah. It's a, it, it seems daunting right before. <laughs> You're like, oh no, I can't lift for six weeks. Like I'm never gonna come back. And I think that was a a common question that I got on almost daily basis. <laughs> was, was I'm gonna be able to lift what I used to lift, right? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that was probably the the most common question throughout the pregnancy. And Emily's here to tell you on the other side that she was able to not only lift what she used to lift, but more. <laughs> And so that's a question that I know you're asking in the gym weekly now. <laughs> so let's just highlight that answer that yes, you know, this time next year, he will be lifting more. Yeah. It's, your brain starts to play tricks on you. You're like, well, that, that was a one-time thing. <laughs> so like you said, that first month is probably the most boring month where you're just working to feel your body again and get used to it. A lot of tempo work carries a lot of like directed core work. I know things like bridging are hard when you first come back. Like you have to really scale back and take into account like, hey, this person just gave birth and then didn't do much of anything for six weeks, probably hasn't slept in six weeks uh, <laughs> and is now coming to the gym and has especially if it's their first kid, a newborn that they don't know anything about taking care of, you know, whether how much they prepare, nobody can prepare you for having a kid. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden you have, you have this thing you're, you're responsible for. And so your stress levels are through the roof. You're not sleeping and you're coming back to the gym. So like, well, and you have this new, this thing that, you know, I used to go to the gym and I would stay for hours and like slowly do my, my training and not try to rush through it and see my friends. And it was like a time to be social. And then all of a sudden it's, you go to the gym and that's time away from something that you're supposed to be, or not supposed that you want to be doing. So like you want to be home with your newborn and you miss them. And so it's like this new conflict that you have that you didn't have before and pulling your attention in a million different directions. Let's talk about that. I think that's something a lot of people struggle with coming back to the gym is that feeling of like wanting to be with their children, wanting to not wanting to miss any part of like that experience. Cause it doesn't, it only happens once, right? They're only, they're only a newborn once and you want to be able to be there for as much of that as you can. So I guess I'll let you say, how did we kind of, or you mostly and <laughs> me supplement work around that kind of those feelings and, and still being able to get to the gym. I mean, I think part of it is that I know that I'm a better mom if I'm taking care of myself and if I'm lifting and I feel strong and I feel confident and good about myself, then that trans that translates into how I parent. And, you know, so when I'm not doing anything and I'm not doing the things that I need to do for me, I'm, I have a shorter temper, I'm you know, more irritable. I don't have as much energy to keep up with. Now it's almost three-year-old. And so keeping that in mind and knowing that taking care of myself is, is going to allow me to be better for him. And now this new baby, when she comes, you know, that's 
that's a big motivator for me. Yeah, I think that's huge, right? Is people think of working out as like time away from their children, but in the long run, it's probably a net positive and leaves you with more time with your children because you have more energy and you're able to participate in more activities with them and you're able to do more with them because you're more able and capable. So I think in the in the long run, in the big picture, it's probably a net positive in terms of time you get to spend with your child is well, taking care example, of yourself. The mm-hmm. example that you're giving them, like I want my son to see his mom as someone who's strong and capable and not someone who just lays on the couch and cooks for him occasionally. <laughs> gonna run into his first day of kindergarten and my mommy did this over 300 pounds <laughs> well, there's, like so much, yeah, there's so much social learning going on too it's like the kids mimic everything you do so if they see you working out like especially now right you are doing a couple days at home and a couple days at the gym to be able to get your five days in and still manage your schedule so you know riley sees you lifting weights you know twice a week every week and I, I know I've seen you like send me pictures of him <laughs> like squatting next <laughs> to you or trying to do push-ups, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like you're 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 setting that example from a young age. And I mean, I can almost guarantee you're not going to have to ask him to come to the gym. He's going to start begging you as soon as he can can, can start to, starts to realize that's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, he already does. I mean, I my mom dropped him off me at the gym parking lot the other day and he was like that's your gym and I said yeah so can I see it <laughs> and so we walked up to the window and he looked in he wanted to go and just hear what it was like inside and he was very curious about it and then in the car ride home he was like your gym is fun and was like, I held him the entire time and he just kind of looked around but you know he definitely if I'm not home he'll say he'll ask if I'm at work or I'll ask if I'm at the gym <laughs> those are the two things that he like associates with me not being here. Yeah, it's a, I just think it's a great point that like we always say you can't pour from an empty cup. And so taking the time to refill your cup or at least make sure that you know, you're setting yourself up for long-term health and success so that you're, you can be there for your child as much as possible. I think that's a good perspective to keep for training because you know, like we had said during those first nine months back, there were probably a lot of good days and bad days and a lot more maybe ups and downs than what might be considered average because of how much of a stressful period of time that is. Well, and I think Paul was good about telling me like, this is your chance to sort of start over, you know, you're starting from a blank slate again and, you know, reassess what my goals were and then kind of set them to realistic expectations so that, I could have things that I hit and, and benchmarks that I, I got to that made it easy to say, okay, I'm going to keep going because it's worth it. Yeah, you know, my, my first goal wasn't to deadlift 350 pounds because that would have taken way too long to get to. And then I would have felt frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the, probably the biggest takeaway from this whole podcast is like, as a coach, your job is to like communicate listen, make the necessary changes, and most importantly, like manage expectations is going through pregnancy scary, especially the first time, probably still scary the second time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So like, you don't know what to expect. Every time's different. And the more like reassurance and 
managing of exp- like keeping expectations where they need to be and allowing the client to still like have their small wins a- along the way and have goals and have reasons to show up is is important so um knowing what you know now or like having gone through this one full time before what is it that you've taken from your first pregnancy that you're applying to your second one to help you <laughs> go day to day <laughs> i mean honestly i think doing this podcast has made me think about it which is really good for me because in the day-to-day, I can still get really stuck on, like, this is going to be forever. Am I ever going to feel like myself again? And just remembering the first time I went through this, that I did it. I can do it again. I have a lot of support from, you know, all the coaches at RTL and from all my friends at RTL. And that it's possible and that I will feel like myself again. It's just going to take time and I have to be patient. I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> I don't like when things are slow, but I do know that the biggest wins that I've had are things that I've worked hard at. And if I have goals, I will do it. Yeah, I think that's and another, I've proven that to myself. Another huge part that you slipped in there is the social support you have at the gym. You know, the gym has kind of become a really kind of social spot for a lot of people who probably don't go to the bars or, you know, churches and as big as it used to be as in terms of like socialness, (laughs) social engagement. So the gym has become that spot for a lot of people and having that strong like support system of like-minded people that aren't going to tell you what to do at every corner and not tell you to not lift weights and still be able to like listen to you and hear you out and not give unsolicited advice is, is, is huge. And you know, that the gym is the perfect place for that because it's probably one of the few places that people understand that part of you. I mean, I think I was saying it to to Katie or Missy last week. I was like, I'm going to get strong again, right? (laughs) I mean, so they hear it too. (laughs) And and the fact that they've known me throughout both of my pregnancies and they've seen what I do in the gym and they can help reinforce like, this is temporary. You're going to come back. And then you know, like I did buy a bunch of stuff for my house so that when I, cause I know it's going to be harder with two and I have less time to get to the gym and stay there for as long as I need to, but I can do some stuff here, but I'm still going to want to go there to see my friends and to have that support and, you know, have that time with, with you guys and with them. I know you said a few times you're concerned about being strong again, but I think I remember you deadlifting like 225 for sets of eight so some people would consider that strong now anyway (laughs) it's pretty impressive yeah and i don't i think this time actually my i've stayed strong longer than last time my numbers aren't that far off what they were before pregnancy i mean i'm not pushing it it's like my you know two out of seven number but it's definitely better than it was the first time i think i'm more prepared i think having you know been lifting for longer help yeah the the longer you're lifting uh, it's going to be a little easier to hold on to that through pregnancy and then you know this time we were able to push a little bit more kind of knowing what we did last time and then I think the last part is like you just have to do what you're comfortable with like it doesn't mean the weights have to go down right is like you know 
towards the end, we might be doing like, I don't know, four to six reps at an RP of six to seven. But like, that's still hard. Like, that's not, that's not easy. It's not like you're not doing anything. And like, you might be bringing the load down a little bit because you're not hitting RP eights and nines anymore. But for like a four out of six compared to like a four out of six in the third trimester compared to a four out of six pre-pregnancy don't have to be that far off. It just really, you know, what you're comfortable doing and listening to your body and being honest with your RPEs as you move along. You know, one of the other members, she just had a, went like just had her, her uh, second kid and she is very number driven and we made it kind of a goal to like just keep her weights the same through her like last three, four months of, of pregnancy. And all we did was just lower the reps each month. Like she started out doing seven reps then we did six reps and five reps and four reps at an RP six to seven. And she just kept the weight the same throughout that. And like, that was good for her mentally to be like, Hey, you know, I'm still hitting this weight comfortably. And we just modulated the kind of intensity and volume by dropping the reps through the months. Which is kind of what I've been doing too. And it's definitely helpful to, to see that I can still do some of these things. I remember I had one coworker when we were talking before about things people said to not do when you were pregnant and I was lifting a plastic chair and he came over to me and tried to grab the plastic chair from me and said, that makes me really uncomfortable that you're doing that. And I was like, I'm pregnant. I'm not disabled. Like I can, I'm I think, squatting more than you can. Like I can the chair's probably lighter chair. for you. <laughs> That's a big thing too. It's like, there's all these arbitrary rules. It's like, don't lift over 70 pounds. It's like, no, what if I'm a nurse and I lift over 70 pounds every day? Like, <laughs> you can tell me not to go to work. Like, and then so, like, don't lift 10 pounds over your head. It's like, you know, what if that's what I, something I do regularly What if you know, my purse, what if I have a kid, like carrying a kid in a like car seat and having to put them wherever or put their like diaper bag on like an overhead luggage, like you are regularly lifting, you know, a good amount of weight in various positions. So you're going to tell someone like, Hey, don't lift over 20 pounds. And they like, look. Oh, like, do you want to come over and lift my kid? Yeah. As well. so every you, time and, he <laughs> wants me want to carry him up the stairs because <laughs> he's 35 pounds and he's not going to like stop because I'm pregnant. He doesn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost like the recommendations leave you ill prepared to be a new parent. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and it's really, a lot of the unrealistic expectations that, that women have or that I had about being pregnant came from what other people were saying. You well, know, they send you home and they say, go be a parent. <laughs> and we didn't know any better, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that like they recommended that you laid in bed when you were pregnant and didn't do anything. <laughs> like not too long ago, that was the recommendation. It was like bed rest. Uh, and that would be like, the worst preparation yeah <laughs> so we, we've come a long way there's still a lot you can do listen to your body <laughs> training is important training is important what Don't. other lessons do we have <laughs> you're gonna make it back to where you were <laughs> yes you, you will get back to where you were just gotta do the work and find and find coaches that you trust that you know pay attention and that can help call you out when you won't say anything yourself because it is humbling and things do change and you have to make adjustments and if you don't have people 
that know you and that tr- that you can trust have your best interests in mind, then it's really hard to navigate this on your own. Support support system is crucial. They'll um, tell you to jump rope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably another thing we didn't talk about, but plyometric activities need to cease at a certain point. Again, usually it's at like a, it just starts to become a problem. But again, just being on the conservative side, like the last thing you'd want is someone to like eat shit trying to do a box jump like two months pregnant. Uh, (laughs) Probably wouldn't be a good idea. So, you know, plyo exercises tend to kind of get pushed out of the way pretty early. And again, I'm the always err on the side of being a little more conservative and just with all the ligament changes, plyometric activities tend to be a little more stressful to those areas. So it is usually something that I tend to avoid that could potentially exasperate some of the ligament issues that tend to already happen during pregnancy. (laughs) Did I put enough nuance in that? Not a too big of fans here of concrete absolute statements. <laughs> well, this is fun. This is cool to talk about. Thank you very much, Emily. Hopefully some of you found listening to her pregnancy experience helpful. And if you see her in the gym, tell her she's going to be back to her normal strength levels. <laughs> and I apologize if I get crazy. We'll have, to, <laughs> we'll have to schedule another meet 10, 10, <laughs> 10 months out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that'll fit well actually because if he if she's due what december so we're looking end at of november yeah and so we usually have a meet right around november so we'll have exactly a year to hit some prs again it, it helps to have that well put it in the books then <laughs> <laughs> sign me up all right what do we have going on yeah so podcast or event wise sorry uh wait wait in september so actually pretty much september is over by the time this one comes out so october we have a snatch seminar on october 10th at revolution fitness club so if you're local and you want to learn how to snatch or get better at snatches we'll have three olympic certified lifting coaches teaching the snatch not me because you don't want me teaching you to snatch Uh, (laughs) The 23rd is Infinite Fitness and Drew Cost uh, X powerlifting meet um, up in Bristol. So we have a few people competing in that. And then the most exciting news is October 30, 31st, we're going to have a deadlift costume party. So to enter, you must submit a video of you deadlifting in your costume and then we'll be giving out prizes for best costume funniest costume scariest and best couple sweet it's gonna be a lot of costumes that'll be fun so all right till next time